welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Two weeks ago, I started a, a, a small series. Uh, I'll probably minister on it next week, and that'll be the, pretty much it. But I started a small series on love. I've been feeling the direction of the Lord to do this for quite some time, to talk to our congregation about what love looks like and, and what better place to spring from than what we know as the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Today what I want to do is I want to go uh, a little bit farther in that chapter and I want to talk to you about what the Bible says, how, how real love conducts itself. In other words, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. So uh, let's read verses 4 through 8 here. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity vaunts not itself and is not puffed up. Charity doesn't behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for the privilege and the joy of being able to get into your word and learn from you. I pray, Lord, that you would touch me to be able to effectively communicate this message today, this instruction. I pray that you would touch the ears of the hearers to hear and their hearts to receive. And by the time we're through, help us to understand what real love looks like and what real love acts like. And we give you praise for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk today about how real love conducts itself. The first thing here in verse number 4, the Bible says charity or love suffers long. Charity suffers long. So one of the primary positive qualities of love is that it suffers long. Now the commentator B.W. Johnson said this. He said that means it endures slights and wrongs patiently and long like God himself. Like I shared with the first service, I... I shared with them, I said, you know, there are times when people will wrong you and there are times when there will be slights that come against you. And the Bible teaches us to suffer that long and to be patient because God himself has done that also. He's not asking us to do something that he's not already done himself. In fact, in Psalms chapter 103, verses 8 and 9, here's what the scriptures say. The Lord, somebody say the Lord, the Lord. Great, you're with me. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. That means you can't crank God up. You can't make Him mad easily. Oh, God can get angry, but, you, but it takes a lot, okay? And then verse number 9, He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. So the Bible tells us here that God is long-suffering. In other words, He is slow to be made angry. And then it goes on here, charity suffers long. The next thing in, the, in how love conducts itself is that charity is kind. Love is kind. And that word kind means obliging or willing to help or assist. Now it's easy to help and assist people who you're in good relationship with. It's easy to help and assist people when things are going well and it seems like the thing, everybody's on the same page. 
But when it comes to loving our enemies and assisting our enemies and helping those that maybe have said slight things against us or wronged us, then that's where it becomes a challenge. But real love suffers long and is kind. It's one of the positive qualities of love. It's very difficult for someone to keep hating you if you keep loving them. If you keep pouring love on them, when you fight against someone and you're constantly warring against them and they're seeing that they're making progress with you, then you're feeding the conflict. But when you love them, even if they've set themselves against you and set themselves up as your enemy, then love is the most powerful force in the entire world. And when you love them, not only are you being like God, but you are, in, you are disenabling, you are disembodying the conflict. You know why? Because they're used to people fighting back and that's what they feed on. But if you're kind to those who try to wrong you, if you're kind to those who are doing slights against you, if you're kind to them, then they don't have an answer for that because they're not used to it. They're used to battling and being at war. In my first church, no, my second church, in my second church there in Kentucky, in northern Kentucky, I had a lady come into my office and she was battling with someone uh, in her family and she wanted counseling. And so she came into the office and so I'm talking to her. And so I said, okay, well, let's pray about this and let's ask the Lord and maybe you can do this. And so I gave her some instruction, what I felt like was biblical instruction. And so she went and we prayed about it and she went and she did what I uh, asked her to do, what I felt like the, the Word of God was asking and directing her to do and everything smoothed out. Then about three or four weeks later, she was in my office and she was having problems with another person. And so I said, well, I said, let's do what we did before. Let's pray about this, and this is what the Scriptures say, and why don't you go do this and let that all smooth out. And so we prayed about it, and she went and done it, and everything smoothed on out. Just a little while after that, there was someone who came in, and she came back into my office. She had problems with another person. Finally, I looked at her, and I said, I think you're just addicted to conflict. Because she would do things that would turn people against her, but she was learning the lesson that if I'm kind, then I can disable these attacks that are coming against me. So it was very, very difficult for her, you know. So at times, it was very, very difficult for her to unlearn the things that she had learned and the things that she had learned. I knew her family, and so I can tell you she learned it because she, when she was growing up, it was modeled, the conflict was modeled in front of her. Sometimes all it takes is for us to take the Word of God and say, I'm going to take the Word of God, I'm going to apply it to my life, whether it's uncomfortable or not, I'm going to try what God says to do and see if we can have that result. Many times we get in a mess in our life because of, because of, the, learned, uh, of the learned responses that we learned when we were children growing up. You can learn how to not live in conflict. You can learn how to not live in drama. You do that by, by suffering long and being kind. Then we go on here and the Bible said that love doesn't envy. It means it's not jealous of what others have or what others have become. I'll give this same example that I gave in the first service because I like to pick on him. Some people get jealous of others who excel above them. About, uh, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago, how old were, was Blake when you guys got here? 12 or 13, something like that. He's a little guy. 12 or 13 years old. 
And, uh, of course, Rachel had been working with him, and he had a natural talent for the piano and, and all of that. And so he learned a lot of the, of the basics from his mama. And then he put the piano up here. I told him, I said, bring a little keyboard up here. And that, back then, I was playing the keyboard and all of that. How many remember that? Some of you were here during that time. Well, I'd done that all of my life. And so here we are, and he, he brings this little keyboard up there. And within a year, I mean, within a year, he is just like, man. And so I'm like backing up, and I'm just laying on keys now and letting him have it. And now I'm sitting there. Do you think I'm envious of him? Why, Lord, no, I'm so proud of that boy. I'm popping the buttons off the front of my chair. I can't hardly stand what the Lord. I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing through him. Listen, when God starts to pour his blessing on those that are around you, when God starts to pour his favor upon those around you, when the talents that God put inside of them begins to surface and come to the surface and God starts blessing those talents and giving them connections and causing them to expand, that's not the time for you to envy. If you are conducting yourself with Christian love, then you're going to celebrate their successes, and celebrate their victories. Instead of pointing fingers and finding fault, you are clapping your hands and you're in their corner because God is being glorified. Hallelujah. Love does not envy. Love is not jealous about what others have or what others have become. Many times we see this even in sibling rivalry, don't we? Love does not parade itself. According to the Barnes commentary, that means love does not brag or boast of one's abilities or possessions. Boy, we need to preach that during a political cycle, don't we? Wow. But love does not brag or boast of one's abilities or possessions. I learned a long time ago that boasting about myself can get very exhausting. It can. It can. It's better for the Lord to use other people and that way I can just focus on living my life right, keeping my integrity intact, making sure that I stay in the Word and keeping my head screwed on straight. When you start boasting about yourself and you start boasting about your abilities and you start boasting about your possessions and things of that nature, then you're getting off track and you're falling out of love and you're opening the door for covetousness and you're opening the door for envy and for jealousy. So don't boast about yourself. Don't boast about your own abilities. You know, one of the things that I've found about really hugely successful people, the majority of them never talk about themselves. You know why? Because they're too busy doing to talk. I found out a long time ago those that show up and they do it every now and then, those that show up and try to impress you with I did this in this church and I did that in that church and I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that and they try to impress you with all of those things. If you really start looking at their track record and talk to their former pastors and talk to their former leaders, you'll find out they did it maybe for about a minute. You know? And they couldn't go on because they didn't have the leadership ability to carry them on. And so we have to make sure that, we're not, that we don't fall into this trap. Get too busy trying to be a blessing. Get too busy loving other people. Get too busy being busy about things of the kingdom and let others do that kind of talking about you, okay? And be careful when they do that you don't start believing your own press. Otherwise, you can be lifted up in pride and pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
which leads me into the next part of this. Love is not puffed up. Love is not swelled with pride. It's not elated with vain conceit of itself. And then it goes on and it said, Love does not behave itself rudely. In other words, it doesn't behave itself in an ugly way, in an, in an indecent way, in an unbecoming matter. True love is courteous to its fellow man. True love is courteous even to the enemies that set themselves against you. True love is courteous. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 says this, Finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful and be courteous. Not rendering, now here, look, at, look at verse number 9. He goes on and he expands on this, making sure you understand what he's saying, okay? Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. So pastor, is this telling me that if somebody rails against me that I'm supposed to bless them? Uh-huh. That's exactly. In fact, the scriptures go beyond that and the scriptures tell us that you are called to do that. That's what it says right there. You are there unto called. You are called to do that. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that despitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. For great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You are called to be a blessing even to your enemies. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. You're called to be a blessing to them. So we don't behave ourselves un, uh, unruly. We don't behave ourselves rudely. We're not ugly with people, but instead we are courteous. And then the Bible goes on, and this is how real love conducts itself. The Bible goes on and says that real love does not seek its own. In other words, it's not my mission to spend my life to seek out my own happiness, especially if it involves injury to other people. That's what the Scripture's teaching. We don't seek our own. We're not seeking our own happiness. Let me say this again, especially if it causes injury to other people. Let me give you some Scripture for that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 and 24 says this, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. So that means just because it's legal doesn't mean it's something I should do. You know, I might be, it might be my, my legal position to be able to turn in front of that person. But if that person is already committed to the intersection and my turning in front of them could possibly create an accident, then what is the best thing for me to do? The best thing for, because you know what? In my position, they probably go to my church. <laughs> Hello, God bless you. <laughs> but chances are you're probably never going to see that person again or you might not know who they are, but God keeps a record of everything that we say, everything that we think, everything that we do. So it's important for us to conduct ourselves with love. And so just because something is legal, or let me say it like this, just because it's not illegal, because there are some things that you say, well, there's a law for that, I can go ahead and do that. But there are some things, there might not be a law to back you up, but you still say, well, I, you know, it's, it's not, well, it's not illegal. Let me give you an example. 
this week, I'm studying some stocks and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'll take some of my retirement money and invest it in the markets. And so uh, I was telling Donna about this and she got a kick out of it. So I saw this stock that I told Donna, I said, this stock is going to pop today. It's called Growth Solutions. I said, it's going to pop today. And so I'm studying the technical analysis of it and all of that. And I, can, I usually study that for about an hour in the mornings. And then when the market's open, if I want to make a move, I make a move. And so I'm studying it. And I actually have the amount of shares that I want to buy there in my, in my trading account. And I'm getting ready to hit the buy thing. And I'm thinking, you know what? Everything looks good, but there's something that doesn't feel right about this to me. And so I thought, I'm going to study this a little bit deeper. So I went and started reading some of the news and some about their company. And it was a cannabis stock. <laughs> What's cannabis? Marijuana. Legal marijuana. Your pastor just about owned 4,000 shares of a company. You guys are getting too excited about this. I don't know. I backed out of that buy order so fast they couldn't even see me say goodbye. And you know what happened later? That thing ran up. I mean, it flat ran up. I could have made almost, almost two and a half times the money. And I looked at Donna and I said, that thing ran up. She said, I'd have done it. <laughs> of course she was teasing obviously she was teasing just pay your tithe honey just pay your tithe just, just pay your tithe wealth of the wicked is ours for the taking just pay your tithe. now just because it was lawful didn't mean it was something that I could do see Think about this, okay? And whatever side of the fence you are on that, that's between you and God. I personally don't think it's good for us to be involved in stuff like that. But, um, but you know, one of these days, as the church continues to grow and somebody decides they want to come and try to find something against your pastor, they could go back and they could say, well, he bought stock in a marijuana growing company. You know, it's called growth solutions and all of that. And it could have eventually created damage and harmed God's work not to mention our life. And so this is what I'm trying to tell you. Just because it's legal, it doesn't mean it's something that we should do. And that's what the scripture is saying here in 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 24. All things are lawful for me, but not all things, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's. Wealth. Now we go down farther in that passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 through 33. Here's what the Bible says, just a few verses down. Whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. That means we're not supposed to be racist. Okay? And then it says, even as I please all men in all things not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. So when the scriptures here tell me that true love does not seek its own, that means when I am 
embark upon an excursion to, to uh, possibly create wealth for myself or to create something good for myself, if it's going to create injury to other people, then true love says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But if it can bring profit and it can bring gain to those that are around me, then not only could I do it, I should do it. I should do it because our life as a Christian is not just about ourselves and what we can do for ourselves. There are people that you influence in your life and they need to not just hear you talk about the love of God, but they need to experience the love of God flowing from you. Just because you say that you love people doesn't mean that you act like you love people. So can I get real bold here and say, leave the drama with the lost and come over on the love side and let's just love everybody. Now that doesn't mean that we become a doormat. That doesn't mean we let people use us and abuse us. But true love will cover a multitude of sins. And then we go on here and the Bible says that the way that love conducts itself, love is not provoked. In other words, it doesn't fly into, the, into a rage, but it keeps its temper under control. The minute that you allow yourself to fly into a rage is the minute you have just lost control. Nothing constructive can happen in an atmosphere of rage. Only destructive things happen in an atmosphere of rage. And all of the married people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Thinks no evil. Puts the best possible construction on the motives and the conduct of others. Thinks no evil. Is not malicious. Is not censorious. Is not disposed to find fault or to impute improper motives to other people. That means true love says, I'm going to think the best about you first. Not the worst about you, but I'm going to think the best about you. When the Bible says, thinks no evil, and, and, and that interpretation can mean disposed to find fault, all of us were wired when we were born. We were born in sin, and in sin did our mother conceive us. And we were wired to find the tidbits that were negative to be more juicy. And so we have a proclivity, if you will, or we have a drive. Let's put it that way. We have a drive inside of us. To, to gather around negative press. That's why negativity sells ads. And that's why negativity is, 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 a great big, is a great big tool that people use to try to get people to watch their television shows and their television programs and things of that nature. If you had nothing but good news, then who's going to watch that? The reason is because it caters to our flesh and our flesh wants to believe something that is bad. But the Bible said that true love thinks no evil and is not disposed to find fault. So let me give you this example I gave in the first service. Okay, Steve, I'm picking on you again. Somebody comes to me and they say, you know that Steve Mundy. I don't like him. He... I just look at them and I say, you know that Steve Mundy. You never know how his hair is going to be parted. It'll be parted in the middle, be parted on the side. You know, he'll show up with a handlebar mustache or he'll show up with a beard and the next time you see him, he's clean shaved. You just never know about that guy. And Isn't that entertaining? Isn't he an entertaining guy? Isn't Steve Bundy an entertaining? Come on, isn't he an entertaining guy? Yeah. And so, 
And so when people come to you and they say something negative about someone, I found out a long time ago, if I can reciprocate with three things that are positive, they'll eventually get the message, pastor don't want to hear this. So you just start talking good about people. People come to you and they want to run people down in the dirt. Well, you don't understand what they've done to me. No, no, no. Sometimes we have to speak things that be not as though they were. Sometimes we have to talk faith about people. You know, find something good to say about them. There's always something good to say about somebody and speak good about them. Don't even, and the Bible, talk, it's not just talking about speaking here. It says don't even think evil. Don't even think evil about people. Don't be disposed to find fault. So this means that we have to have a shift in our thinking and we have to learn how to think good about people before we think evil about them. Now, this isn't going to happen overnight because you didn't learn how to go negative and be negative overnight and it's going to take some effort to get positive. But true love conducts itself in that way. True love, true love, finds the good in people. And then it goes on and says, does not rejoice in iniquity, does not rejoice over the vices of other people, doesn't take delight when they're guilty of crimes or, or when in their manner they fall into sin. It doesn't find pleasure in hearing that they're accused of sin or that, that they're getting what's coming to them. True love does not rejoice in iniquity. True love doesn't rejoice in iniquity and it doesn't rejoice in the results of iniquity on another person's life. Then the Bible goes on and says, but true love rejoices in the truth. That literally translates out, true love rejoices with the truth. So in other words, true love rejoices with the person that's involved in iniquity with the truth that God's loved them so much that he sent his son to Calvary to die so that they could be saved. True love rejoices with the truth. True love responds with the truth. True love responds with the word of God. So... The enemy will accuse. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. The enemy will accuse. The enemy will find fault. The enemy will try to demoralize. The enemy will try to deflate. The enemy will try to defeat. Jesus said, I've come that ye might have life and have it more abundantly. So God is about forgiving people and building them up. The enemy is about tearing down people and leaving them lay to die. So if we're a part of tearing someone down and leaving them laid to die, then we are partnering with the devil in the activity of hell. But if we are a part of reaching to those that are wounded and reaching to those that are hurt and putting them back together again, if we're a part of that, then we're a part of the activity of Jesus and we're a part of the activity of heaven. And true love conducts itself as a healer. True love conducts itself as forgiveness. Not pardon, but forgiveness. True love conducts itself in that manner and in that way. So true love rejoices in the truth. It's personified as love. So when true love sees the truth manifested in the lives of other people, it greatly rejoices. 2 John chapter 1 and verse 4 the writer said, I rejoiced greatly that I found of, my of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. 
And then 3 John chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says this, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Now, now we like that, don't we? I mean, we can quote that scripture. But we go on to verse number 3 and 4. It says this, For I greatly rejoiced when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. And what is that truth? The truth that he's talking about there is that above all things we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers and, as, and is in health. And the soul is the seat of the mind and the will and the emotions. All three of those are Satan's battleground. All three of those. So what he's teaching us in this scripture is that we should allow the truth of God's word to be involved in the thought processes of our life and when we apply that truth to our life then we can prosper and be in health but equal to our soul prosperity or how we allow the word's influence on our mind and on our will and on our emotions. See, the enemy is going to try to gain access to your heart through your mind. And he gains access to your mind through your eyes and your ears and your mouth. So when our eyes are full of the word and our ears are full of the word and our mouth, because our heart, out of the abundance of the hearts, when our mouth is full of the word of God, then we are denying the enemy access to our life and we live in victory hallelujah isn't that exciting hallelujah true love bears all things literally covers protects but as used by Paul elsewhere it can also mean to endure to suffer to suffer with people in regards to their sins to their failings in other words get down there with them get dirty you know I mean when they're when they fall down reach down there in the mud and pick them up you know, I've often said you can tell a good pastor if they smell like sheep. Isn't that the truth? Some sheep smell different than others. Woo! First Corinthians 9 and 12. If others share in this rightful claim upon you, this is in the Amplified, do not we have a still better and greater claim? However, we have never exercised this right, but we endure everything rather than put a hindrance in the way of the spread of the good news of the gospel of Christ. Now, let me give you a little background to this passage here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. What the Apostle Paul was saying here, the Apostle Paul went to Corinth and he planted a church in Corinth. And there were others that came in, and the church in Corinth was doing pretty well, and there were others that came in to try to take credit for that ministry. And rather than the Apostle Paul standing up saying, no, wait a minute, I'm the guy that did this, rather than him doing that, what he did was he just went ahead and let them do their thing because he was more interested in that church being healthy and being whole and he was more interested in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ reaching the city of Corinth. And so he backed up from that. That's a good example of bearing all things. There are times when God will use you to do phenomenal things for the kingdom and others will come along and take credit for it. 
When that happens, don't let a root of bitterness come into your heart. You know why? Because God has a place for you to shine. If you keep your spirit and you keep your attitude right, God will eventually open the right door for you. You know, I'm not real interested in shining anymore anyway. I mean, I, I like it better when there are people that are training for ministry around me and the Lord just shines the light on them. I'm kind of at that point in my life now. But the, that's what the Apostle Paul was doing here. The Apostle Paul was saying, I'm not going to get sucked into this. I'm not going to allow myself to be influenced by this because it's better for them if I just let the ministry continue going on. Then we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1, where the Bible says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And then go down to verse number 5. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Same thing was happening at the church of Thessalonica. Same thing. The Apostle Paul goes to Thessalonica, digs out a church, plants a church, makes tents. He's bivocational. Somebody comes along and says, he's in jail. Let me take care of you. Paul backed up. And then in verse number 5, when he couldn't handle it no more, he said, I couldn't know any longer forbear. I just had to know that our labor wasn't in vain. So it's not about us shining. It's not about us, the, the lights being on us, is it? It's about Christ. It's about His kingdom. It's about lost people giving their life to Christ. True love believes all things in regard to other people. The Bible said, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, Above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sin. So love believes all things and rejoices in the happiness and the virtue of others and will not believe contrary except there is evidence to the contrary that, that is just overwhelming. The very first thing people come to you and they want to talk bad about other people to you, then you're, you're, you're living in God's love. You're living in Christian love. True love just says, you know what, I'm going to believe the, the best for that person that you're talking against in regard to their conduct. I'm, I'm going to do the very best that I can to believe in them until I know that I know that I know that I know that what you're saying is true. And so don't be a party to the downfall of other people. Don't be a party to the downfall of other ministries. Listen, don't be a party to the downfall of your co-workers. You've got enough work just to take care of yourself. Goodness gracious. My, my, my. Hope's all things. Hope's that everything will turn out well. It'll hold on to that hope. It extends to all things. It extends to actions. It extends to plans. It extends to public and, and private counsel. Love hopes all things. It hopes for the best in all things. And it hopes for the best in private and in public. Don't treat somebody one way in private and treat them totally different in public. Some of you young people get all kissy face in private. In public, we're not together. <laughs> Come on, some of you old folks, you remember, you have to go way back, but you remember that. No, 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 no. No, don't be, don't be acting one way in public and another way in private. You know what the Bible calls that? Hypocrisy. That's what the Bible calls that. And so we shouldn't be involved in that, should we? And then the last thing that I want to share with you today is that true love.
endures all things. So it bears up under. It sustains. It does not complain. It bears up under persecutions at the hand of man. It bears up under the efforts of injury to our personhood or our property or our reputation. If we say that we love people, then our actions should reflect that sentiment. This passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, is a great passage of Scripture when it talks about how love should conduct itself. Every single one of us have the opportunity to fall out of love. Every single one of us have the opportunity to go the other direction. But God's love, biblical love, the kind of love, Christian love, that I'm talking about today can win the world to Jesus Christ. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to put this down. This is probably one of the most powerful statements that I'm going to make today. The Lord gave this to me a couple of days ago. And it's very simple, but it's a strong truth. Love is an action word that produces a feeling. Love is an action word that produces a feeling. Some people think that love is that ooey-gooey-gooey-gooey feeling. No, love is not the ooey-gooey-gooey feeling. The ooey-gooey-gooey feeling is the product of the activity of love or the action of love. Love is probably 80% action and 20% feeling. If you don't believe that, do something nasty to the person that loves you and see what happens to them. See what happens to you. See what happens to you. You're going to find out real quick that love's an action word. You are. Love's an action word. If I say now, now let, let me give you a little scripture here, okay? Here's what the Bible says, okay? If I say that I love you and I, and I shut up my bowels of compassion towards you, then how can I say that the love of Christ dwells in me? If I see that my brother needs something, and, or my sister needs something and I have it and I can provide it and I don't take care of them then how can I say that I have the love of God inside of me now you got to make sure that you draw the line and don't start getting taken advantage of by people that well you call yourself Christian look at them and say well you call yourself sinner no I mean <laughs> I'm not no that's not how you do it perfect example of what you should not do If a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So while you're down there picking them up, instead of allowing these feelings of condemnation to come upon you, then you need to realize that the next time it might be, be them picking me up. And so you treat them like you want to be treated and you love them and you care for them and you allow Christian love, the conduct of Christian love to invade your life. Amen. Has this instruction helped you today? It's how real love conducts itself. Let's stand. Amen. Come on, Rachel. 
Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.